Thanks for listening to the Faith Radio podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. I'm Carmen LaBurge. I hope you enjoy. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Welcome to Hour 2 of Mornings with Carmen on this uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I have a very, very special treat, both for me and for you today. My husband, Jim LaBurge, is here. He's going to share with us from the book of Philemon and how racial reconciliation leads to cultural and societal reconciliation. Jim, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you very much, Carmen. It's a pleasure to be here. So the the Bible has given us just a marvelous, all-inclusive promise that everything we need for life and godliness is found as we know God. And so we know God through his word. And when we know God, everything changes. Uh, when we know the gospel, everything changes. And especially in this area, it's clearly seen in this area of, of interpersonal relationships and in the, in the wider scale in, in uh, racial reconciliation. So the little story of Philemon, when you look at it, you might even wonder, why is this even in the Bible? It's a really short book. It, it doesn't seem to cover any doctrines. It doesn't cover a, it's, it doesn't cover a lot of other information. But in it, there's a, there's a key to this very issue. When you look at the book, it, in, in short, it's a little story, and the story is this. Paul's in prison, and in his imprisonment, there's a man named Philemon that, it, uh, that he writes a letter to. And he writes a letter to him because while in prison, uh, a fellow prisoner named Onesimus is is in the jail with Paul. And in that process, he leads this man to the Lord. Well, Philemon um, has been won to Christ in Paul's ministry at Philippi. And so he writes this letter telling Philemon, hey, I want you to accept your runaway slave back. Now, and so the letter is very tender and dear. Let me just kind of give you a couple quotes out of the letter. So Paul says uh, to Philemon, you're my beloved brother and fellow worker. And I I thank God always for you when I make mention of you in my prayers because of your love for the saints and that everyone is refreshed through your love. They're comforted by your witness. And then he goes on to say, I'm writing to appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whom I've begotten in my bonds. In other words, I've won him to Christ in my bonds. And I want you to receive him back no longer as a slave, but as a beloved brother. And he says to him, I'm sending you my very heart, this child of mine. So these endearing terms. And then he he turns and says, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm rather going to appeal to you because I could, although I could as an apostle tell you what to do, I'm going to appeal to you for the sake of love. So there's all these little tender um, and endearing terms there. And at first hand, you say, well, that's great. That's wonderful. But how does this relate to this topic we're talking about? Well, it's interesting to know that Paul is a Jew. And not only is he Jew, he's one of the elite um, educated uh, leaders of, of, of Israel. At least he was at one time. So he's an educated elite guy. And Philemon is a rich and wealthy Greek. Onesimus is a slave. Okay, think about that. These three men couldn't be any more different. I mean, they're, they're, 
we think of, of race problems as being new, though they're not new. Uh, there's always been racial prejudice. We look around the world, we see all kinds of mess, and we see it specifically in this area of interpersonal relationships and race relationships. So what's the deal? Well, all three of these men have had the same experience. They have all uh, found themselves guilty of moral sin. They've all been separated from God. And in the gospel, what happens? They are forgiven by God. They're cleansed of moral guilt, and they're restored to each other. And that's what the gospel does. It doesn't just restore us to God and forgive us our sin. It does that, thank God. But it goes beyond that. And as we uh, are restored to God, we're also restored to each other. We're also uh, made beloved brothers. As, as a Christian, um, we're, we're, we're his ch- uh, children. But not only are we his children, we're beloved brothers of one another. And so these three very different people have all walked the level ground of the cross, all realized the moral guilt, all realized their brokenness and their separation. They've all been restored through the love of Christ and, and the atoning blood of, of Calvary. And so as they're restored to God, they're restored to each other. And that's really the message. The Bible has everything we need for life and godliness as, because it helps us to know God. And one of these areas is interpersonal relationships and uh, rec- racial reconciliation. So there you have it. Jim, um, thank you so much. That That's wonderful. I have the benefit of um, sitting with you before the Lord and benefiting from your teaching from Scripture in my own life day in and day out. So thank you for coming and joining us today and sharing um, sharing that gift with all of us. That's my pleasure. So that's Jim LaBerge, um, my precious husband. Um, he is the author of A Beautiful Life. Uh, it is a, a way of approaching Scripture so that you can actually know what God has said. Um, and one of the things that he talks about, one of the books that he talks about in his book is the book of Philemon. And so it's um, a gift to have him open that with us today. Dr. Linda Mental has years of experience working with medical students and Christian colleagues applying the mind of Christ to the important work of healing uh, in the spirit and certainly by the power of the great physician Jesus. Uh, uh, Linda also offers her counsel to us during the Dr. Linda Mental Show here on the Faith Radio Network. Today, she's going to share some of what she has learned about and from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in terms of depression, um, and she's going to help us look at our own lives and how we might actively overcome hate with love. That's up next here on a special Martin Luther King Jr. edition of Mornings with Carmen. Joining us on this MLK Day is Dr. Linda Mental, the relationship doctor. You can find her online at drlindamental.com. And here on the Faith Radio Network, you can listen to her on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Linda, welcome back. Good morning. Good to be with you as always. So Martin Luther King Jr., um, maybe people, maybe at least some people listening know that he suffered with depression, but there's a whole lot more to that story. And you have written about it. Um, on your blog, MLK and Overcoming Depression. Can you just share a little bit of that with us? Well, I was one of those people who didn't know, Carmen, about the fact that he had suffered from depression and was even suicidal at one point in his life. And it was when I looked, I found a Time Magazine um, article that talked about this that was from, you know, way back um, in the 60s. They were looking at 
his life because he became such a obviously such an important figure in history and with the civil rights movement. But what I learned about him was that um, he had a very strong relationship with his grandmother. And um, when she died, and this was somewhere before he was the age of 13, he apparently became very uh, depressed after her death, and he even had thoughts of suicide, and he was really struggling with these really lows and feelings and then these highs and feelings, you know, where he'd be okay for a while and then be low. And I don't know if that was related to a sort of bipolar depression because it wasn't in the article that I read. Mm-hmm. But it certainly talks about how what can happen with some types of depression where you can experience low lows and then very high highs. And during either of those times, people, you know, are acting in ways that are not not always the best. But he is definitely somebody who, despite all of that and in those in those depressive feelings, obviously went through a lot of things in his life where he had death threats all the time. And he was, you know, put into prison. And you talk about stress and the types of things that we think about that would actually exacerbate someone's depression. That what is so amazing about that is that his constant message of moving forward and overcoming really gives it even more power in my mind when I think about what he was personally experiencing, particularly in his mental health. So I think that's encouraging. I know we we talk a lot about Martin Luther King and you know his civil rights impact, and that's definitely what he's known for. Obviously, his nonviolent approach and his his emphasis on love versus hate and all the things that are so important about his legacy. But I think another piece of that, at least for me as a therapist, is he struggled with these depressive feelings and and went through a lot of difficulty in his life trying to get his message across to so many people. And yet he did overcome that because he didn't die by suicide and he was able to continue to do his important work despite all the struggles that he had. So I hope that that's a message of hope for anybody that's listening to us on this day, thinking about what he overcame and his message is one of overcoming. And that's obviously a Christian message as well. I appreciate um, one of the quotes that you include in this piece, um, and this is Martin Luther King Jr. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. Whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Um, I think resilience is a word that you use to describe him as well. I'd like for you to talk a little bit about resilience. Um, what are Maybe what are some things that we can do to become more resilient? And then I also want to address this, you know, this challenge um, that he didn't seek treatment for his depression because of his fear of how that Mm. might be used to discredit him. And so I do want to talk about, you know, where we are today versus, you know, maybe that reality in, um, in the 1960s. But let's start with resilience. Like, what is it and how do we become more resilient? Well, resilience is is simply, I think, a, a really easy definition of it is that you're bouncing back from any type mm-hmm. of adversity. So it's just really that ability to experience something very difficult and then, um, you know, be able to respond to it in a way that takes you forward, like he's saying, versus going backward or getting stuck emotionally in something. And and so what we see from people is that, yes, we have a lot of stress. Yes, we have adverse events in our life. Some people experience trauma. Some people are dealing with loss. There's a lot that can happen that's negative in our life. And it's going to be that way because we're living 
on this side of the of the garden, right? So we're we're in the the stage of the world where we're going to have adversity no matter what. And the Bible tells us that and is very clear that we're going to have trouble. So when we have trouble, the question is how do we respond to it? And it's, you know, just one of the clear messages I always gave my patients. You can't control what happens around you. You can't control what other people do. You can't control certain things that happen in your life like loss and tragedy and trauma and things that happen, but you can control your response to it. And that's where resiliency becomes such an important factor because you can have a lot of things that happen to you. And obviously Martin Luther King did, as did so many other people that we know in history who continued to move forward, whether it was a crawl or they were flying, they were moving forward, right? Just like he was talking about, because their response to that adversity was to learn from it, to look at it as a growth experience, and then to move forward using what they learned uh, from that experience to better themselves. So we call that a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset is when you think, you know, well, bad things happen. This is the way it is. I'm not talented. I can't figure this out. I'm I'm a victim. You know, I can't do anything about things that happen in my life. That's really stuck in a fixed mindset. Whereas a growth mindset says, okay, this terrible thing happened. What did I learn from it? Uh, am I more compassionate? Did I develop empathy for someone? Did I learn to go deeper in my life with God? Um, do I have to totally trust on God now more than I ever did before? You know, those kinds of things where you can grow from those experiences and then you can use that to help other people. And that's really where we want people to go. We want them to be able to cope appropriately, not using substances, not, you know, using negative coping skills like shopping and, you know, uh, getting on the internet and using alcohol or whatever it is that people do to medicate away bad feelings. We want you to be able to experience those feelings, tolerate them, regulate them, and then use them to move forward in your life in a positive way. That's really what resilient people do. We're talking to Dr. Linda Mental on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Um, you can find the piece we're discussing at drlindamental.com. Let me offer you a few overcoming Bible verses um, as we uh, as we consider what it looks like to be resilient Christians in the context of uh, a culture that gives us continual reason um, to to be to find ourselves challenged and um, and for some um, very depressed. So let me encourage you today from John one five: the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. First John five four. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Romans 12, 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, maybe one that many of us know, and that's from Romans chapter 8, verse 37. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Do, do not be overcome today by evil, and do not be overcome today by depressive thoughts of any kind. Um, let us be the people who acknowledge the light of Christ in the world, and then let us be people who um, who broadcast that light to others. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment with Dr. Linda Mental. 
We're going to ask her, um, how do we actually stop hate? On this MLK Day, it seems like a good day for us to address the hate in our culture, the hate in our hearts, and how we bring a stop to it. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Whew. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I mean, it's a brand new year and I'm already tired. I don't just mean tired. I mean like spiritually tired, soul tired. Maybe you're struggling too. Maybe Christmas didn't all work out exactly like you thought. My friend Susie Larson wants to take us on a journey to explore God's goodness, his healing power, to know his peace that passes all understanding, to draw near to him. If you want in on that, all you have to do is text the word good to 877-933-2484. Again, you just text the word good to 877-933-2484. And every single morning, you'll get a text message from Susie Larson to wake up to the goodness of God. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Continuing our conversation now with Dr. Linda Mental. You can hear her on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. You can also find her online at drlindamental.com. All right, Linda, on this um, MLK Day, how do we stop hate? Yeah, we really need to have that happen in our culture, don't we? It seems like hate is just escalating everywhere we look, and we certainly hear it on social media, and we see it in the news, and we see the violence in our culture. And I think more than ever, we need to go back to the principles of Martin Luther King, which, by the way, are based on biblical principles when we, we really you know dig down deep into these principles. But I think let's look at the six things that he talked about. He said, resist evil. Now, that is a definitely a, a biblical principle, but he says do it without resorting to violence. So he's talking about what you need to do and how you need to think. And this will this is part of it, why his his move movement was so powerful, because, you know, he was looking at things like how he spoke to people. What are the words of his mouth? And we know that there's a scripture saying, let those words of my mouth be acceptable unto the Lord. And he he believed in that. He didn't believe in using hate language and and in talking to people in anger and, um, you know, slandering them and all the things that we see today. And he also believed in keeping your conduct honorable. And being able to bless those people who curse you, which is from Matthew. And we know that that is such a hard scripture to live out, but he actually lived it out because he saw love as something that transformed his enemies. And he knew, he knew, he knew, he knew that mercy triumphed over, triumphs over just, uh, over judgment. So when you look at how he responded, everything he did was from a love perspective rather than a hate perspective. And we know that when you, Put love first, which is, you know, what we hear in Corinthians 13. It's the most important, right, of all of the things is love. So if we look at that and we say resist evil without resorting to violence, so you can resist evil and you can you can hate evil, but you don't hate people. You should be able to, you know, see people from the eyes of Christ and think that they're broken. Uh, you know, they, something's happened to them. Uh, maybe they learn to be evil. That's really what happens is that we're born in a sin nature, but we learn hate. 
when we grow up based on what we see and the influences that are all around us. So looking at how do we understand people who are not like us? How do we understand people who are our enemies, basically, and try to win them over in friendships? That was one of his principles. And then another one was that even though you suffer because people are hateful, you don't retaliate with that that hate from the suffering. And, you know, I, I think about that one shooting, especially that was in that church. Was it in, I think it was Charleston area yeah, Charleston. Of, of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And I just, I was such a powerful witness when those church parishioners refused hate and they were praying for this guy who shot these people who they loved. And it was, it's not normal. It's not, you know, it's not something that comes out of a sin nature. That has to be because they have been transformed by the love of Christ. And that's what Martin Luther King was getting at, is that you can suffer, but you don't want to retaliate in that suffering. You don't want to punish people with violence. You don't want to have violence in your heart, and you don't want to have violence on the exterior. And his his sixth principle, Carmen, was basically just refuse to hate. Refuse to hate. If we could do that one principle alone today, it could transform our culture. So when we hate, our brain actually gets involved in that, and our brain actually gets very focused on aggression and movement and action towards that hate. And that's one of the reasons why the scripture is constantly telling us to renew our mind and to put on the mind of Christ and that love is where we need to be operating out of not hate. So I think he got it right on all of these principles. And if those principles could come back and make a comeback in the culture today, it could transform our society in a way that we haven't seen in a number of years. Chris Singleton is a friend of the show um, and uh, a person who I just absolutely adore. Um, Chris is the son of one of the victims whose life was taken at the Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina in 2015. Mm-hmm. And Chris has become a very, very public advocate of um, of exactly what you're talking about, uh, these, these MLK principles that are really biblical mm-hmm. principles and Chris lives them out in his own life, and he, um, you know, he now speaks at <clears throat> thousands of middle schools and high schools across the country, um, basically delivering uh, the the message that you and I just discussed on ways to stop hate. You know, the 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 practices and the principles of Martin Luther King Jr. But Chris does so out of um, you know what he is very publicly honest about, and that is, you know, this is a Christian motivation. It's a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God has given him, God has given him a platform that he would not have otherwise had, um, you know, in all likelihood uh, as a minor league baseball player at the time um, that his mom was uh, so ruthlessly and hatefully killed. So I do think that we, we have human examples um living among us who are seeking to fan the flame of, um, of what MLK preached and lived. Um, and so thank you for reminding us of those principles today and inviting us to be people who, you know, resist evil without resorting to violence and respond to others in love. And, um, and even though we suffer, we don't retaliate, um, simply refusing to hate as the, you know, as the final line, um, of that messaging. It's just so good, Linda. Thank you so much. Well, it could make such a difference. And I think 
one of the 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 big witnesses out of someone like Chris's life is this is not power this is not possible in the natural and so right. you know to see someone with love and hope and making meaning out of suffering which so many people need to hear that message that there's meaning when you suffer that god can do incredible things through things that we never thought could be used for good in that romans 8 you know scripture that you read you know this is this is what people need to see they need hope they need to see that there's a better way and when you love versus hate i mean your whole body feels differently and you you have this this transformation of a heart you know of your heart that is just incredible so what a powerful message we need to somehow get that message of Martin Luther King Jr back in the public square again and move from all this hate talk and hate discourse and and violence and re, you know revenge and retaliation and all the things that we see in movies and television these days rarely do we see a message of transforming love and boy that would be such a great message to get back so say it in your churches say it in your schools uh, bring in people that can make give power to those kinds of testimonies so that people can see a different side and can see the hope of what love can do in a person's life. There are lots of ways that you could um, participate today um, in MLK Day. You could <clears throat> reread um, Dr. King's letter to a Birmingham jail. Um, that would be a, a, a wonderful way to do it. You might also uh, listen to one of Dr. King's sermons um, there's one called Paul's Letter to American Christians, where um, Dr. King uses the format of a Pauline epistle to challenge the church in America in his day, but it um, it certainly rings true in our day as well. Those are those are all things that you can find like on YouTube. So I just encourage you today to listen to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. today and see how what he said, um, you know, many years ago now. Um, could impact the conversations that we're having in the world today and could actually help us as Christians engage in the culture proactively, resisting evil, taming the tongue, responding to others in love, um, and refusing to retaliate and refusing to hate. Those would be um, wonderful ways for us to walk out his legacy as Christians in the culture today. This is Mornings with Carmen. Uh, you're listening to the Faith Radio Network. Here, um, here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to bring the mind of Christ to bear on all of the challenges that we face today and and just the everyday things that we face every day. And that includes the challenge in the culture today of um, the divisions among us. Jesus brought down every dividing wall of hostility between us. Like that is the affirmation um, of the Apostle Paul. We know it to be true. But we also know that Jesus is like this dividing line. And so um, how do we reconcile all of that? And what does Jesus have to say to us about how we feel about people who are different from us in observable ways and in ways that we, you know, feel and experience? And so obviously on this MLK Day, we are having conversations about the differences among us that we can see in terms of the color of our skin. But it is a deeper conversation than that. Um, it is a conversation about how our reconciliation with the Father, through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, works itself out in the reality of our human relationships. So it is um, the conversation that, that Jim led us into at the, at the start of the hour from Philemon. It is about, you know, what it looks like and means to live as people reconciled to God and therefore radically reconciled in relationship to one another. 
So who do you know that might have a perspective on today and the racial history of America that might be a little bit different than your perspective? Um, If you're white, who do you know that's black or brown? If you're black or brown, who do you know that's white? Who do you know that's old enough to remember the events of the late 1960s, particularly in the Jim Crow South? What's the chance you could reach out to them today and just ask, hey, what does today mean to you? Would you tell me about your own experience maybe of unequal treatment? Um, Could we pray together over the issues that we face as Christians and ask God to bring down every dividing wall of hostility between us? You're my brother. You're my sister. Um, I want to experience that in real life. So could we walk together into this conversation? That's the invitation I extended to Dr. Brian Loritz. He is one of the people that I felt led to reach out to and just say, would you join me in talking about MLK? Um, His message, his faith, his impact. And Brian said yes. So that conversation is up next on this special MLK edition of Mornings with Carmen. Joining us um, on this special MLK Day edition of Mornings with Carmen, we are thrilled to have Dr. Brian Loritz with us. You'll remember our conversations about his book, The Offensive Church, Breaking the Cycle of Ethnic Disunity. He serves um, on the team at Summit Church in North Carolina. Brian, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, it is always a joy to be with you. I couldn't really think of anybody that I would rather talk with about this day or Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. or the, you know, reconciliation, gospel-based conversations about, um, you know, the things that in our culture divide people, but we know that in the gospel do not. So I just wanted to have a wide open conversation with you about this day and what it means. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a pretty uh, significant day for, uh, for me personally. So I'm, uh, I've spent a lot of time just reading up on the civil rights movement and especially Dr. King. And um, I am, I am grateful in a plethora of ways for moments to pause and think and thank uh, the legacy of Dr. King. I like that. I like the thinking and the thanking. All right. Well, so it's meaningful you to for you personally, maybe just tell us why. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think when we process Dr. King, I, I think, um, I think, I think uh, part of the problem we make is we stop at the activist kind of dimension of who King was. Mm -hmm. And for sure he was that. Right. And so I'm thankful. So I'm, I'm down South. Uh, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. If I wanted to catch public transportation, I could sit on any seat on any bus that I'd like because of his work. I'm thinking of the the Montgomery bus boycott that he helped to lead as a 26 year old uh, pastor there in Montgomery. Uh, if I want to drink out of any water fountain or, or swim in any public pool that I'd like or sit in any restaurant, um, I can do that in large part because of his work. Now it wasn't Dr. King alone. Uh, when we think of eating in restaurants, we have the student nonviolent, nonviolent coordinating uh, committee to thank for that SNCC as they were known. But 
there's a lot of things that I can do because of his tireless activist work. Yes and amen. But this is where I think where we limit Dr. King. He wasn't ultimately an activist. He saw activism and changing laws as a pathway to reconciliation and relationship. And we know that in many different ways, but especially in his iconic I Have a Dream speech, where he just imagines uh, kids from, you know, all different types of ethnicity playing together in what he called the beloved community. And so I think I think we miss out on what King was really after if we stop at the activist door. And the last thing I'll say on that note is, you know, his organization that he pioneered, the uh, Southern Christian Leadership Conference, SCLC, their tagline was wanting to redeem the soul of America. And he was after not just kind of America's behaviors, he wanted to get to the heart so that we could have deep relationship with one another. Mm, That is so good. Um, I think there's probably, you know, some level of familiarity with um, Dr. King's I Have a Dream speech, but don't assume that everyone, you know, knows the reference a little bit like, um, I don't know about you, but sometimes in church, I will uh, hear someone say, well, you know, we all know the story that, and I'm right, thinking right. a lot of people right. don't know the story. So um, so let's talk about the I Have a Dream speech. Let's talk about um, this vision of a redeemed America because it was going to be a country of redeemed people. Like this really is an individual conversation that then is lived out in community. And that's, I mean, that is how the gospel works, right? On on an individual level and then into our relationships with one another. So can you, can you talk a little bit more about the I Have a Dream speech? Yeah. So the I Have a Dream speech uh, takes place really on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial there in Washington, D.C., uh, there's all kinds of guesstimates as to the amount of people there. It's conservatively, we can say there's about 250,000 people there. It takes place in August of 1963. Um, and the president is John F. Kennedy, who, as we know, will die tragically a couple months later. The reason why King was so adamant on having these kind of public, peaceful demonstrations is there's this new medium called television. And he really wanted to, in his words, dramatize the conflict. Uh, Of course, he was all about nonviolence. And so he just saw um, a large gathering taking place literally right in the backyard of where the laws get passed and made uh, in our nation. And in preparation for that speech, as you can imagine, you know, just imagine, Carmen, uh, you know, in a couple months, I'm going to be standing in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Well, you're probably going to want to you know, practice that speech a couple of times. And one of the places where he practices it, yeah. One of the places where he quote, unquote, practices it is a couple months earlier uh, in Detroit. Now, I bring all that up to say there is a woman in the audience in Detroit named Mahalia Jackson, a famous gospel singer. um, And she's also there in Washington, D.C. as King is giving his speech. Now, if you read any credible historian on this speech, what they'll all tell you is uh, for much of the speech, it's not going well. Uh, certainly not by black church standards. And what I mean by that is, you know, if if you are uh, preaching at a black church and it's quiet, no bueno. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. not good. You know, we are very much a vocal kind of community and tradition. And that's really where the speech is headed. And then Mahalia Jackson, 
whispers to Martin Luther King Jr. She's a few feet away. Tell him about the dream, Martin. Mm. And mm. Martin hears that. And he reaches back to what he had, quote unquote, practiced in Detroit and just envisioned this beloved community that in the face of increasing segregation, uh, devastating segregation, uh, that there would come a day when when justice, he, he quotes scripture, he quotes the prophets, um, where justice would roll down and that our kids would be able to uh, judge each other, not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That was his famous dream. Um, and that section of it, we really have Mahalia Jackson to thank. And that's what he labored for. We're talking with Dr. Brian Loritz on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day of Remembrance and Celebration, um, encouraging you to consider um, your dreams. Do you actually dream this similar dream? Do you do you share the dream of wanting America to have a redeemed soul? And if so, what does that look like in terms of personally sharing the gospel and living into it? What does it look like in our individual lives? And what does it look like in our life together? Can we live into the reality where Christ has brought down every dividing wall of hostility between us? What would that look like in this generation? We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Brian Loritz in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Maybe you've heard that Faith Radio partners with One Child to offer you the opportunity to sponsor a child living in difficult circumstances in a hard place. Well, when you sponsor a child supplying for their needs, you change a life. And when you change the life of one child, you change the world. Your one child learns that God loves them more than they can imagine and that God's got special plans for their life. Your one child gets help with school and is taught skills like leadership and how to even overcome poverty. Your one child gets nutritious food and vital medical care that can be life-saving. You might not be able to change the world, but you can, in fact, change the life of one child. Meet the kids. Find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation now with Dr. Brian Loritz, author of The Offensive Church, Breaking the Cycle of Ethnic Disunity. We've talked to Brian on a couple of prior occasions about the book, and today I just thought um, it'd be really great to have him join us for a conversation about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his dream and maybe where we are, how we might recast that dream, even in the context of the contemporary disunities that we experience um, as a country. So, Brian, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me, Carmen. Let's um, let's maybe press Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, dream into contemporary conversations. Um, you know, he was he was a preacher. He was, um, you know, he's the real deal in terms of a person of faith. What what does it look like to be gospel centric and like whole gospel, the whole gospel, pressing that forward into some of the contemporary conversations maybe that we experience in terms of disunity, um, you know, here in America today. Like, what, is, what does it look like to press this conversation into contemporary times? 
Great question, Carmen. And, I, you know, I think I have two main thoughts on that. One is, you know, Dr. King's work was primarily before he was assassinated at the age of 39. His work was primarily through the institution of government. And so what government can do is they can they can um, institute laws. They can seek seek to uh, legislate behavior. But what government cannot get to is the heart. And that's where the other institution of the church comes in. And that's why, especially along these lines, where you have laws that King helped to uh, enact, inspire, that are just laws, I think that's where the church needs to be walking uh, lock, stop, uh, lock, stock, and barrel with the government. When it comes to just laws that line up with the scriptures, there's plenty of laws that don't. I think that's where the church needs to be walking with the government going, let's take it a step further and let's try to take this gospel, which doesn't just, you know, deal with our hands, but really deals with our hearts. And how can we now preach a whole gospel that is conducive to people, not just doing just acts, but just acts that that flow from a righteous heart. And so that's where I think the church of Jesus Christ has to be leading the way. And you used a phrase that I think is key, and that is this whole idea of the whole gospel. And when we think of the whole gospel, obviously we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, period, full stop. However, there's what, what I would call indicator lights of saving faith. Because if I read Jesus right in Matthew 7, not everybody talking about heaven is going. There'll be many who will say to him, you know, Lord, didn't we do certain things? And he's going to say to them, depart from you, I never knew you. So how do I know that I'm saved? Well, I think, I think there's indicator lights, like I forgive, Matthew chapter 18. I'm generous, Matthew chapter 25. And I think one of these indicator lights is that I'm I'm really working to keep down the walls of hostility that Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 2, and to have relationships with people who don't look like me, act like me, think like me, or dare I even say vote like me. Um, and so that's why I'm a big believer in the multi-ethnic church. You referenced my book, The Offensive Church, which is really given to equip the, the multi-ethnic church. And so I think that's that's King's legacy, and I think that's where we have a really deep, uh, robust opportunity to advance the conversation. And let me just say one more thing along these lines. I, I want to encourage people on a day like today, a national holiday, to don't look at MLK Day as a day off, but actually mm -hmm. as a day on. Um, it's a day where I, I think we should be watching or listening to things like this or reading uh, things that are that are going to educate us in the area of ethnic unity. Uh, it could mean, you know, some documentary or some, you know, um, museum if they're open where we can go and and take a deep dive into this. Having conversations with people who are ethnically different than you and asking questions in the spirit of love and humility, I think would really leverage the legacy of Dr. King on days like today. Yeah, on MLK Day. Um, reading list. You could um, you could just Google that. There's tons of stuff out there. You can um, you can watch on YouTube um, many of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s speeches and sermons. I would recommend. Um, yeah, I'd recommend some sermons. Like just get into not only the "I Have a Dream" speech, but you know, go beyond that and listen to some of the things that he was talking about and look for his themes and. See how um, those same conversations might work their way out in your conversations today. I think that intentionally seeking out um, individuals 
who might have a different perspective on this day um, than I that I might have. And so, you know, depending where you live, my guess is there's a King Memorial or a monument or a Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway or highway. <laughs> I mean, they're just they're they're all over America, certainly in the community where I live. Um, there are places that I know I can go today where there will be people celebrating the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who might be motivated to do so out of um, different uh, backgrounds and life experiences than I have. What kind of interesting conversations might we have? So, um, Brian, if you were here, I'd take you out for real barbecue. Um, and I bet. Oh, that wow. That's of- a big statement, Carmen. That's know, a big right? statement. I know. Well, it'd be it'd be it'd be real. It'd be real barbecue. It wouldn't be the vinegar kind. Um, yes. And, and that way. Right. We are in agreement on that. And, and, and my guess is we would in that environment find some other people who um, are more like you from the world's eyes than they are like me. Um, but together we might be able to engage in some interesting conversations about, hey, you know, what are the what are the points of agreement? Um, what yes. are the things that we all want for our kids? Um, because when you start having those conversations, it, we all sound exactly the same. Yes. I I kind of just leave a long pause there because I'm like, you know, we when you start talking about our kids and our grandkids, we, we yep. all want the same things. Yes. Um, so um, I'm going to give you the last word today. Um, first of all, I, I like the um, the indicator lights idea. So thank you for that visual image. Um, is there a passage of scripture or a prayer that you want to send us off with today? Wow. Yeah, I, I think there's several. I mean, you have referenced it without necessarily giving the reference. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. You know, um, I, I like the whole chapter, Carmen, uh, verses 1 through 10 it deals with vertical reconciliation, the fact that we've been saved by grace through faith. But then in verses 11 through 22, it really pivots to horizontal reconciliation and not just horizontal reconciliation in general, but it pivots towards uh, what some call racial reconciliation, what I choose to call ethnic unity, where Paul says, therefore, you Gentiles who are now in the flesh, and he talks about uh, how Christ in his body has totally dismantled, obliterated the dividing wall of hostility. And um, I think we have a real opportunity to do that uh, and to walk in. Here's the second passage of scripture, John 17, the unity that Jesus prayed for prior to the cross. So I like those two two ideals there of uh, really centered around this idea of unity that, that Dr. King really, really fought for and paid the ultimate price for. And we have an opportunity on days like today to be really intentional on how to leverage his legacy. Walking in the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, recognizing that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are members one of another. So, Brian, um, thank you so much for your partnership in the gospel. I celebrate that you are my brother in Christ. And um, thank you for sharing the journey with us on this MLK Day. Well, thanks for having me, Carmen, and please keep up the great work that you're doing. Well, likewise, likewise. That's Dr. Brian Loritz. You can connect with him online. Brian, that's got a Y in the middle of it, Loritz, L-O-R-I-T-T-S, brianloritz.com. You can also find him at Summit Church in North Carolina. 
This is Mornings with Carmen. Um, We're bringing the mind of Christ to bear on this MLK Day. That's what we do in uh, in every opportunity that we have to sit down and talk together about what's happening in the world around us and how the mind of Christ applies to each and every one of those people and conversations, events, um, controversies, even divisions. So I want to invite you to pray with me today. Um, There are lots of folks engaged today and in the coming days in making decisions, in um, caucusing together, in having their voice and their vote count. And so I want us to be praying for each and every person engaged in those conversations. I want us to be praying for the people of Iowa and elsewhere. So let's do that together. Father, we come before you as brothers and sisters in Christ. We come before you by the power of the Holy Spirit. We come before you in the name of Jesus. Um, And we acknowledge that we live in divided times. We even live in the midst of a divided people. But we recognize that the mind of Christ is not divided. And so, Father, as his agents of grace, as ambassadors of your kingdom, as people um, who have been reconciled to you in Christ Jesus, help us to live today as ministers of reconciliation. Give us the very mind of Christ on the matters of our day and help us to sow peace, to be peacemakers in the midst of a world of division. We entrust it all to you, all to your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friend, thank you so much for the, um, the time we've spent together today on this MLK Day. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow on Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Remember, it's your prayerful and faithful financial support that makes both the live show and the podcast available. Make your gift at MyFaithRadio.com.